this is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to talk about uh, the GDPR, the Global Data Protection Regulation of the European Union that affects a lot of businesses, both inside, of course, and outside the European Union. And today I have with me uh, Alessandro De Mattia, who is a legal assistant to privacy rules. Uh, good, good afternoon, Alessandro. Thank you, Joe. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. And Alessandro, just briefly, what is uh, Privacy Rules? Privacy Rules is a company that provides expertise in privacy and data protection, and we provide both legal and tech expertise in this sector. And uh, I understand you have uh, law firms and tech firms around the world that belong and help give advice yes. to businesses. Thanks. Exactly. Well, today I thought we'd focus in on uh, some things that have caused confusion as let's say US businesses look at this GDPR. You hear about data protection officers, you hear about representative in the European Union system, and that's what I want to talk to you about. So let, let's start with, when the GDPR uses the word representative, okay, what is that? Can that be either a, a real living person or a company or both, or how does that work? Okay, the GDPR is quite clear in giving a definition of the EU representative. We have Article 4 in this subsection 17 that expressly say that representative means a natural or legal person. So uh, the role can be taken from one or the other, no matter if it's a legal person of, um, or uh, a natural person. Okay, very good. And Article 27 of the GDPR it talks about representatives mm -hmm. of controllers, uh, companies that gather information are responsible for it, or processors, people, uh, companies that process information, yep. controllers or processors that are not established in the union. And then if I read it right, Article 27 says that uh, a non-European company in some instances is required to appoint a representative. Do I read it right? Exactly, exactly. Um, basically, you have to uh, appoint a representative in two cases that are established in Article 3, Subsection 2. These two cases say basically that um, an organization has to appoint an EU representative when, when they offering goods or services um, in, in the European Union, or in the second case, when they monitor behaviors that takes place within the Union. Right, so that would that, that would eliminate the concern of a lot of companies that, let's just say, only have a U.S. website, only price their goods in U.S. dollars. Uh, am I right? In general, in general, they don't have to run off and appoint somebody to some country in the European Union as a representative. Would I, would I be right generally? Yes, exactly. exactly. Okay, very good. So that'll put some people's minds uh, at ease. And as you've said, it could be a person or it can be a company. And for example, um, let's say. Uh, a U.S. business uh, sells a lot of stuff to Germany. So it could point, you're saying, either a, a real live person in Germany or uh, a, a legal entity. Yes, they, they, can, they can do both. I mean, they, they can appoint uh, a, a person or a legal entity, no matter um, the distinction is not important. The important thing is to have a representative that is able to um, dialogue with the institutions and in particular with the authorities that comes from the country in which you have business. 
Very good. So if it's Germany, I assume you'd want to find uh, somebody or a company that speaks German, for example. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and that's the idea. And now, a representative, uh, do they, are they independent of the company or, or is their whole job to take instructions? That's the way most people would think of the word representative. Yeah. This is one of the focal points of the EU representative, is the fact that he acts under a mandate. So the representative acts uh, for and under the direction of the controller or the, or the process. So it's quite limited in his ability to, to act. It's just, we can say that it's just a point of contact of the business inside that country that is, um, he is the communications. Very good. Well, that's not very different in the United States for companies that do statutory agent services in Delaware or other places. So you're saying that in a way can, can be the same in, in my German example and maybe a U.S. businesses that's really selling goods and services in euros in Germany, uh, they might appoint, for example, a German law firm or somebody that can be their representative. Yes, I think so. That, that's something that we will uh, uh, know once the general data protection regulation will be applied. So time will say us if we are right, but basically also law firm can take this role for sure. Or, or a lawyer, or doesn't have of to course, be a lawyer, yes. could yes. be uh, anybody. And it must be, it must be, it should be an expert in the sector. I mean, there are no, there is not an, an article that says which are the characteristics of the EU representative, but considering that he has to um, actively um, communicate with some kind of institutions, like the data protection authorities, it should be someone that know that the regulation and the system. They'd better know what they're doing. Yeah, they won't exactly. be a very good representative. Okay, well now let's turn to a different phrase. You hear about data protection officers or a DPO. These are capitalized and so on. And uh, that is a whole article in the GDPR, uh, right? Yes, the DPO has dedicated three articles in GDPR that basically says which are the main characteristics of this subject, which tasks he can play and which uh, when to appoint it and the article are article 37 to 39. Okay, very good. And now does does anybody who need who has to appoint a representative have to appoint a data protection officer or, or is that more a, a limited number of cases where a non-EU business would have to protect, uh, appoint a data protection officer? Yeah, that's quite a tricky question because uh, basically um, when you have to, someone asks also no, if you can appoint both a DPO or an EU representative, but the point is the two roles are different and they have different tasks. Okay, well tell us how, how, how are they different? Uh, they are different because um, the tasks of the DPO are established in the regulation and the DPO uh, is guaranteed with a certain autonomy that a EU representative doesn't have. Okay, well let's talk about that because that, that could, it, let's say a company appoints one of their own employees to be mm -hmm. a, a DPO, you're saying there could arise a conflict between the position of the DPO and being an employee of the company? Yes, we, we have to, to consider the, the, two, the different tasks that the subject has. In particular, we have to consider that the DPO um, has also an advisory and monitoring role in the activities of the controller or processor. And these advisory roles um, is uh, regard also the relation with the employees of the controller or processor. And uh, if there are, for example, some complaints for violation of the data privacy of the employee, they will refer that to the DPO. 
That means that the DPO cannot act under the mandate of the EU representative because there could be a kind of conflict of interest between the activities that the DPO will uh, take. Um, um, Yes, we'll. Um, they might have to have some independence from the company to have the uh, to carry out what the GDPR requires the DPO to do. Exactly. That's what you're exactly. saying. Yes. Really. Yeah. Now they could still be an employee of the company, but they'd have to share that uh, kind of dual obligation. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I'm I'm referring in particular to Article 38 of the GDPR, and this article says that the DPO shall not be dismissed or penalized uh, by the controller or the process or for performing, performing his tasks. So it's kind of like a, a whistleblower or some people who are protected. You can't retaliate and fire them if they're doing their duty to the government. Exactly. Very good. Well, that, that would suggest, tell me what you think of this, that it probably wouldn't be real smart to appoint the same person as representative and DPO. Exactly. What do you think of that? Yes, I totally agree with that, and I'm not the only one. We know that also the Irish DPA says basically the same thing. And the DPA is the Data Protection Authority, yes. and when we say DPA? Yes, when we say DPA, we say exactly Data Protection Authorities. In this case, we are talking about the Irish Commissioner Office. So um, that says, that touched this point and says exactly that there is an high risk in, uh, you know, of conflict of, of interest between these two activities. And it also um, underlined how is the controller and processor responsibility to ensure that the DPO does not take other tasks that may result in a conflict of interest. So it's going to be an, a responsibility of the uh, organization that will appoint the DPO. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it unfolds. I would guess one of the ideas here is a non-EU business that, that is required to appoint a DPO might want to think of outsourcing that rule if they can find somebody to do it, because that person, by definition, would have a contract and be independent, yes. uh, as compared with, let's say, a key employee of the company who would feel great loyalty to the company and, and, and could serve as DPO, as you've said, but then would have this conflict built into the, yeah. the duty. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. Well, very good. Well, Alessandra, thank you very much. I think that's very helpful advice to uh, non-EU businesses that are Still coming to grips with what to do about the GDPR. So thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Mera grazia. <laughs> thank you very much. Now remember, uh, protecting your personal data always begins with you. Data privacy uh, detective now signing off. <laughs>